God is faithful. Hi, I'm Scott Weatherford, and sometimes I'm not faithful, but God is always faithful. And this theological truth just really, well, it holds our lives, and it gives us security that God is faithful. We can trust God. I'm going to say that over and over and over to you because we're knowing God by knowing his faithfulness, and that's what this whole series about Abraham is. And then, of course, we're going to get into Isaac and Jacob, too, before we get to Easter, which Easter's coming up pretty quick. He proves himself, God proves himself over and over. Throughout Scripture, we see God coming through. Even in our own lives, we can look back and see that God, how faithful he is and how he delivers us. There's times that when I see Tara, I remember God is faithful and he is so good to me. When I see my children, Caleb and Kayla, God is faithful. When I see my son-in-law, John, God is faithful. When I see my little granddaughters, God is faithful. I'm so grateful. When I see you, you, God is so faithful. And I watch who, who attends online. I I'm, I'm care about you and I pray for you. And I see that God is faithful. And it's just so good to see that because God is faithful. Um, but we, we still struggle. I mean, honestly, we do. I do. Although the evidence is overwhelming that God is faithful, I still struggle. And I, try, I ask God, what are you doing? Uh, when are you going to come through? Are you going to come through this time? I know you've come through in the past, but are you going to come through now? Are you going to come through with my kids? Are you going to come through with my money? I'm starting to get old, and I'm thinking about, God, I'm going to run out of money. You know, there's going to come a time where I can't work, and God, you've been faithful, and oh, it's just ridiculous that God is faithful. You know, insecurity is a scheme of Satan. He loves it. And a big problem for us is that we cannot know the future, but that's where faith comes in. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. And my righteous ones will live by faith, and I'll make, and I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. In other words, God said, just trust me. Trust me. Living by faith is to trust God and holding on to him through every circumstances. This account found in Genesis 4 is a true great love story. And there's, but there's more than a love story. It's just amazing. I can't wait to kind of teach this to you. This is a great story of God extending his faithfulness beyond Abraham and his son Isaac, even to Abraham's servant, Eleazar, to Rebekah, who is Isaac's future wife, then even to us. And we can learn from this. When you choose to live all for Jesus, you can expect God to be faithful. I want you to look at this passage. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations for those who love me and obey my commands. I understand this. I get this. I'm living under the generational blessing of my parents and their parents and their parents before them. And I've lived in the goodness of God. I've lived in the goodness of God. For all my life, he's been faithful. And all my life, he's been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And it's my desire to pass that blessing along to my kids. And how do I do this? How do I receive the fullness faithfulness that's been expressed to me and extend it onto them. Well, look at this account. And I want you to look at this account in a very personal way and see the response that these folks made and the faithfulness God extended to them. So, Father, as we look at your word, I pray your word comes alive to us and speaks to us, not as a man would speak, but only as God can speak. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Just a thought before I jump into this. I hope you're doing okay. You know, I pray for you. 
you guys are online. I hope you're taking your next steps and thank you for your generosity. And I pray that you're thriving in the Lord. I pray God is healing you and restoring you and rescuing you and redeeming you and revitalizing you. I'm praying all those things for you. I just want to stop and say that to you because I'm not just some guy on the internet. I'm your pastor who loves you. Whether you live in Wimberley or whether you live beyond, I love you. And I thank God for you. And I just want you to feel the lavishness of God. Okay, back to the talk. Let's look at this. I'm going to read Genesis 24, 1 through 4. Abraham was now a very old man. Abraham lived to be 175 years old, thereabouts. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, probably Eleazar, but we're not positive. But Eleazar was his guy. Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Now, this is really crazy. Why didn't Abraham want Isaac to marry a Canaanite woman? Because they were the daughters of Cain. And the sons of God saw the daughters of Cain. He didn't want that. He wanted his son to marry a woman who held their spiritual values. So he tells Eleazar, go find a wife. Don't leave it to the Cain, Canaanites. Ishmael got a woman from Egypt through Hagar. He wanted Isaac to have a woman from the worship of God. And Rebekah actually was his second cousin. So not as creepy as the wife and sister thing, but still, I mean, shallow, shallow gene pool. He goes back up to Padamaram to find that. So Abraham wanted to make sure the promises of God was extended beyond his lifetime. He knew that Isaac needed a wife and Isaac needed to have kids, which is really interesting because we'll get more into that in the next couple of weeks. So Abraham knew that Isaac needed a wife who was a worshiper of God. The Canaanite women wouldn't do. Though Abraham knew that God would keep his promise uh, to Abraham, he was making sure to join God in the extension of his promise. In other words, Abraham was being active in following the Lord by not being passive and saying, well, I'll just pray about it. He's praying and moving. Augustine said this, pray like everything depends upon God. Move like everything depends upon you. So following God is not this passive, oh, God, help me, oh, God, help me, oh, God, help me. Is that God, show me and I will follow you. I will pursue you. God does what God will do. However, he invites us into his work that we might experience him by joining him. The extension of the promise to Isaac was of defining importance to Abraham. He didn't want the promise to end with him. Now, Abraham made his servant Eleazar vow to find a wife and, and don't let him go back to, the, to his extended family. So he said to Eleazar, I want you to go find him a wife. Bring her back. Don't let Isaac go up there because he'll stay. Because the woman's family will keep him up there. And you'll find that later with Jacob, that he goes up there and lives in Panaram for 20 years. Okay, Jacob is the son of Isaac, well, one of the sons of one of the two sons of Isaac, Jacob and Esau. So he said, "Don't go up there. You go up there and you find." Him. He made him swear a vow. So Abraham was so passionate about this that uh, he even asked the angels to get involved. Listen to this: For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house in my native land solely promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he, and he will see to it that you find a wife for my son there. The great faith of Abraham is extended to his servant Eleazar. Eleazar 
borrowed faith from Abraham. That's why we have to live in biblical community. That's why you need to be in a life group, that you're borrowing faith from other people who have faith. Sometimes we have to believe for others before they can believe for themselves. And that's what Abraham does for Eleazar. And they, they do this kind of vow thing, which I'm not going to talk to you what it really means in Hebrew, but this is a pretty dadgum serious vow. In other words, I'm going to put my hand under your thigh and something dastardly is going to happen if you don't fulfill it. So I'll go from there, okay? Uh, you can look up the Hebrew in the Hebrew lexicon what that's all about, if you so desire. But this is a serious matter. So here's the next thing I want you to see. That prayer opens my eyes of faith. Prayer opens up my eyes for faith. Look what happened. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand on the thigh of his, of his master, Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. He loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to distant Aram Neharam, or Padanaram. And he went there to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made his camels kneel beside the well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming to draw water. O Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside the spring, and the young women of the town are coming to draw out water. This is my request. I ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink. I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you are showing unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out of her with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abram's brother Nahor, his wife Michael. And Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, lifted her jug, came again, running over to her. The servant said, please give me a drink of your water from your jug. Yes, my Lord, she answered, have a drink. And quickly she lowered her jug from her shoulders and gave him a drink. Then she'd given me a drink. She said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. And that makes me emotional that God is so loving and good. He hears our prayers. We see and hear God. When we seek him, prayer makes me aware of God. Oh, man, I remember one evening driving from my hometown in Valparaiso, Florida, back to school in Tallahassee, and I was crossing the bridge at a little town called Bristol, Florida, and I prayed about a girl named Tara. I had never prayed about a girl in my life, but I prayed about a girl named Tara, and I loved her before I knew her. And just like Eleazar and Rebecca, I chose to love Tara that night on that bridge traveling across Florida. And you know what? Tara wouldn't give me the time of day. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? She wouldn't give me the time of day. So I started chasing her. That was in January. Finally, she went out with me in February. And the rest is history. I won her over. My Rebecca. My Tara. God is faithful. Prayer makes me aware of him. It's amazing how God comes through for the servant in extending of the promises of Abraham, that God is active and he's using other people. Everything that the servant does is out of love for his, his master, Abraham. Everything God does is out of his love for us. 
Everything God does is on purpose and intentional for our benefit. I'm sure the story was told in the following days with excitement and wonder. I'm sure around steaming bowls of food, Isaac and Rebecca told their love story to their boys and to the, the people in their, their entourage. I'm sure that Rebecca said, man, when I saw Isaac in that field, I loved him. And Isaac said, gosh, when I saw Rebecca, there was no other woman in the world because they had a great love. And I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Notice this all happened for, before the servant had stopped praying. God was moving. Heaven often answers even before you ask. Wow. We should be looking for God's direction and dependence with great expectation and faith. The eyes of faith, propelled by prayer, reveal the circumstances and the deliverance that's ordained by God. God makes sure that promises are kept. And he did so with Isaac and Rebecca. God extends his faithfulness and re rewards the faithful. I, I love that. I, when I wrote that down, it made me emotional again because I think about my amazing love story with my sweet Tara. When Rebecca and her servant girls mounted the camels and followed the man, so Abraham took Rebecca, so Abraham's servant, Eleazar, took Rebecca and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac was home. Uh, his home was in Nevia and had returned from Ber Laharoi which Ber Laharoi was mean the well that Hagar sat down with with Ishmael, the God who sees. Isaac had been at the well praying that God would see his wife at the place where God saw, and now he was back in Beersheba. Boom! The intentionality of God. How all of this is being weaved together. One evening, he was walking and meditating in the fields. He looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is that man walking through the field to meet us? She asked the servant, and he replied, That's my master. So Rebecca covered her face with her veil, and then she, uh, the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebecca to his mother Sarah's tent, and when he had... And when and she became his wife, and he loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. This is a beautiful love story. This is the first time romantic love is used in Scripture, that Isaac loved her deeply. Rebecca, a beautiful woman. Isaac, a man who needed a wife. God is in control. This is um, amazing. Now, I want to give you a few more amazing facts of this. Look at these amazing facts. When it came time for Rebecca to leave Padanaram and go to Nevia, they asked permission, her permission, what she thought. Nobody ever asked a woman's permission, but Rebecca was a strong woman. You'll see later, as an evidence in her life, how strong she was. Well, they, she, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. What? So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her, and she said, yes, I'll go. Somehow God is working in Rebecca's heart to say, let's fulfill the promise. You see, when God's working, he works in multiple stages on multiple people, and he brings it all together in the beauty of unity. That's what God does. Women were considered property. For her to have a say in this is amazing. Rebecca responded by faith. 
She had been eyewitnesses to eyewitness to the divine revelation of the servant, and she chose to believe God was in this, and she entered into the promise by faith. When faith arrives, there should be no doubt or delay about what we should do. We should say yes to God before he asks. When Isaac met Rebekah, there were several interesting things. He was at the well where Hagar had seen Elroi, as I said. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in Nevia, had returned from Beloeth, Roi. There was another evidence that God was extending his faithfulness because God who saw all the evidence. The servant told Isaac amazing accounts that God set all this up. The story built their faith. The servant said, and Isaac, while I was still praying, this gorgeous Aramaic woman comes, and she's just beautiful. She's Armenian. You know how beautiful these girls are. She came, and she had a water jug, and she was so sweet and kind. And while I was praying, Isaac goes, boom, this is awesome. And Rebecca's over there grinning in all her glory. Wow. And they told their kids and their kids and their kids. And they're telling us. God's in this. God is in this. Isaac loved Rebecca. What a great love story. Isaac didn't have a bunch of wives. He had one. He had Rebecca. He had two kids. Get this. Next week we're going to talk about this. That um, Rebecca couldn't have children. They were married 20 years before uh, Esau and Jacob were born. Jacob and Esau were born. Isaac, listen to this next week, prayed for his wife. I asked Tara not too long ago, I said, hey, when do you feel most loved? She says, when you pray for me. When you pray for me. When we pray for each other, pull for each other, love each other, because God has brought us together. She didn't hop down off a camel in Tallahassee. (laughs) She got out of an opal Buick, a Buick opal. And I loved her. Wow. You know, living by faith is to trust God and holding on to him through every circumstance of life. Well, what about you? God's extended his faithfulness to you. And he's busy writing your love story and your relationships. He just wants you to trust him. You see what God did for Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca and the servant Eleazar? He can do for you. So let your life story really become God's story because he is faithful. You can trust him. Father, I thank you for what you've said to us today in, in Genesis yet again and how we see just the, the amazing humanity of this great love story. And I pray that like Isaac and Rebecca of old and Eleazar and Abraham, we could trust you. We could trust you. And Father, for those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of their salvation. May they whisper, Jesus, I'm yours. Father, give us the courage to take the next steps of living all for you, for whatever that means. We pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Hey, take your next step. Watch the videos. Join the be a part of our family. Share this messages with people. Uh, let it go viral. Uh, remember to sign up for our shout out and take the weekend with you. Those little nuggets, those five to three, three to five minute videos that will encourage you during the week as we continue the journey of Genesis. I love you, and I'll see you again soon.